Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Hello, Ben. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Why don't you say hello to everybody else as well, Ben? Greetings. Greetings indeed. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists and we have a lot of cool car stuff to talk to you about this week. But you know what, Ben? I wanted to start off with uh, something a little weird. Um, something about lifted pickup trucks. Have you been seeing a lot of these lifted pickup trucks everywhere? I mean, the sun has come out and I think I'm seeing a lot of mo- uh, 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 much more lifted pickup trucks out there. I, I haven't seen them. I've been dry, I've been in the south um, quite a bit in the last month or so, and uh, it's kind of like the the home base for um, anyone who has a pre runner or like a like a bro truck, I guess you could call it. <laughs> and I think these are absolutely hilarious because I honestly think trucks are already big as it is, and uh, I always I always have to jump into one anyways. I always have such difficulty getting it. Like I can't get into a normal truck gracefully. Like I I always forget. It's like riding a horse. It's like getting on a horse. Like, you have you ever use... ridden a horse, Sammy? Yes, I have. I've been, I've gotten on a horse. All right. Uh, and uh, and I've gotten on a wagon, but uh, a wagon. Occasionally, I always have to figure out which foot to use, and uh, and I'm I'm like that with a with a with a truck. And I can't imagine that a lifted pickup truck can be any easier to get in and out of. What do you think? Do you have you do you have any experience with these lifted pickup trucks? Aren't they out of the Aren't they are like so inconvenient? So when I was like 18 years old, I had a two wheel drive pickup truck. Because I couldn't afford a four-wheel drive pickup truck. And um, I bought one of those lift kits from J.C. Whitney. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, J.C. Whitney is a huge catalog company in the States that sells pretty much everything um, you can get for your vehicle. But a lot of it is, like, questionable accessories, like uh, stick-on chrome stuff and, like, Ooh. yeah. But they, they, These they, are all – those those things are all over these trucks as well. These, like, they're everywhere. So so I bought the, and 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 the the kit that I had was actually it was like a it was a, a lowering block but the the way the way pickup truck suspension works is you have you know leaf springs and you have a solid axle right and in in the 80s and actually up until very recently if not still the suspension was attached to the axle with like a U clamp and <laughs> you could raise or lower the height of the truck by putting the the block either on top of the axle, pushing up the the leaf springs, or on top of the leaf springs, pushing down the axle, and Amazing. that was yeah. So I I had it like I just ordered for the back, and I jacked up the rear of my truck to give it like a like a like a rake, like an aggressive rake, and that was my thing. And I I'm, and the block was probably like an inch inch and a half, and I thought it was pretty badass. Uh, did you notice any significant uh, difference in driving dynamics or how people perceived you when you're in a lifted, a more a, lift, a lifted truck? Well, at that age, I thought people just perceived me as being a badass all the time. So but you probably... realize that's just oh, it does, that happens no matter what car you're in. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if there was really a difference that I noticed in in how the vehicle handled. I, I like the look. Um, I, I think I moved that same kit from like one truck to the next for a long, long period of time <laughs> because I, I didn't have any money and that's how I, that's how I did it. But, uh, modern trucks, I mean, the lift kits now, back then, if you saw a lifted truck, it was probably someone who liked going off road and like was pretty serious about it. Nowadays, if you see a lifted truck, it's just someone who, you know, has a credit card and got bored and wanted to have like a monstrous trucks are already so big now in comparison to how they used to be, that these these lifted ones are just total monsters. <laughs> and I feel like there's a lot of situations where you're, you're, you're in this lifted truck 
and like things just aren't going to go your way. Like parking garages are a perfect example. Um, oh yeah. You know, like you're in your truck with like four buddies, and maybe you clear the uh, the roof of the parking garage, but then you get inside the parking garage, and everyone gets out, and the roof of the truck touches the the, the, the cement because like you've taken the load off the suspension, which is perhaps questionable to begin with. And now you're wedged into this concrete coffin with your truck, and like it's not easy to get that out in that situation. That's hilarious. I mean, uh, I I live in a condo and uh, I have a parking garage, and uh, I'm I, every time I'm I'm one of my colleagues has a tr- like a truck to test, and I'm like, oh, I want to I want to drive a truck, and then I'm like, oh, what's the ground? What's the uh, the height? Because that might not fit in my in my place, and then I have to sadly walk away uh, and say, never mind. Um, but what about, you know, the, you know, you've probably been in the situation cause I'm a very polite guy. Um, you ever been in the situation where you're at a, at a stop sign and somebody reaches the stop sign exactly the same time as you, uh, and, and, uh, you have to like make like a gesture or like a, like either a high beam or like you have to wave them through. But if you've got a, if you've got a lifted truck and you, and you high beam someone, you are like literally blinding them. You are going to like kill them. You're, they're going to burn their retinas off like, or, <laughs> or you, or if you try to wave them, they won't fucking see you, and they'll be like, "What's this guy doing? Like, what? Get go already, go!" And no, but if you're if you're in a lifted truck, there are no rules, Sammy. Everything changes. So like, when you get that stop sign, I mean, why did you even stop? First of all, probably can't see it. Second of all, if someone is in the intersection, your giant bro truck can just roll right over them, unless they're also in a giant bro truck, in which case you have to fight them anyway. So <laughs> right, yes, I forgot about the. The the codes of the bro truck. Yeah. The bro the, truck code. If the bro trucks ever face each other, yep. there has to be an altercation. Especially if you're in the parking lot of a fast food establishment. Right. Like especially at Taco Bell too, right? Yeah, and Taco it's, Bell. It's or, for the other guys. Is it for like the a, other guys the honor or truck? Or like a his, Sonic. Or huh? Gino. <laughs> <laughs> You're just sitting there naming fast food restaurants. I don't know. I'm I'm I haven't eaten yet, so I'm a bit hungry. Did you uh, know that it's crazy about Sonic is you can get a 2,000 calorie salad. That is kind of crazy. Sonic's the one restaurant that at, dares to ask the question, "What if we deep fried a lettuce, a head of lettuce, and then gave you that deep fried head of lettuce in salad form?" I mean, they are really pushing culinary boundaries. Forget Guy Fieri. Wasn't it you telling me yesterday that Guy Fieri is the mayor of Flavortown? That's what I've heard him say. I'm really, I'm really doubtful about his uh, mayoral claims and, well, and his and his experience, uh, you know, sort of handling this mayor duty. Well, if he's the mayor of Flavortown, I think Sonic is the emperor of Sodium City. I feel like that's their <laughs> that's their claim to fame, their niche. It's like, if you want to get a month's worth of sodium in a single meal, eat half of whatever Sonic serves you for dinner. Um, and, well, Sonic seems to be the greatest, the greatest uh, lift, lifted bro truck um, spotting zone. Um, but I've always seen, is it Sonic that has the drive-through, that drive-through? Um, lane or something like that. I guess all fast food restaurants have a drive-through. Well, Sonic, they... Sonic is like it's 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 um I I wouldn't call it a drive-in, but it's it's a kind of place where you, you eat in your car. Like right. you you can order from your car and eat in your car, and it's it's there, there's like a cover. It is an awning kind of deal, but they have like wait staff who come to you and. Understood. Um, <laughs> what is what is the deal with drive-throughs and? And uh, lifted trucks. I mean, don't I even try it. Don't even try it. You're not going to make that corner. You're just not. Yeah, your your tires are too I wide. I forgot about that. Yes, the corners just go. The tires just go bounce off that corner, right? And yeah. you're like leaning, and then you're gonna like if it's too big of a of a curb, boom, you're on your you're like scraping the side of the drive-through. 
I once, when I was, <laughs> once when I was young again, in the same truck, to be honest, um, I was turning right into a, my friend of mine used to have an alley in the, in the town where I lived and it was downtown. He owned the alley cause he owned the building and, uh, where his parents owned the building, I should say. And I used to park in it all the time because it was super convenient, but it was also really narrow and like, like pulling your mirrors narrow. And I remember I, I was I had a single cab F-150 and it was like a mid-80s truck. And I remember I had six people in the cab of the truck at the time because that's how I rolled back when I was 17, 18 years old. And I couldn't tell what was going on. that many people in well, a there, cab? there were a lot of laps going on. And um, it was a bench seat. No, actually, it wasn't a bench seat. And in any case, I made this right-hand turn and the truck... This, the side of the box caught the corner of the building oh, and, shit. like, bounced off. And it created this <laughs> insane, like, crease in the side of the box, which I only was able to afford this, the Bondo to, like, punch out the crease and, like, Bondo it and then primer it. And it was never painted again. It was just, like, this, this battle scar of stupidity that I wore on the side of that truck. Was it a um, crease or a scrape? It was, like, a crease. It was, like, someone had taken, I like... like like a, it was like I'd been punched by a rectangle. Like that's, <laughs> I felt so stupid. Like you would not believe how stupid. Anyway, I mean, like so many things in that era. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, going around a corner. So I want to kind of tie this into a real world experience that I had recently. Um, I I had the opportunity finally to drive the new Raptor, the Ford F one fifty Raptor, which is. A bigger version of an already very big truck. Sammy, have you driven the Raptor? I have not driven the Raptor, but I've always been. I've always kept my distance and and, and, and admired it from afar. So yeah, I, I was kind of down for it too. Um, the previous generation truck was pretty different, though. Uh, the big, 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 big difference is Ford doesn't really do V8s anymore. Um, they do in the Mustang because that's what's expected. But Sammy, do they do it anywhere else? Um, no, I don't think so. Maybe it's pretty much, pretty much all no. EcoBoost turbos and, and their and their Super Duty trucks. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And and the regular F one hundred and fifty, you can get uh, five liter V eight still. It seems like they're also pushing people away from V eight in the same in the same way. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, EcoBoost is good. I mean, there's no question they make a lot of power with it. But personality wise, it's a different beast. Uh, and this is what's weird. So. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to say about the, the Raptor, but I'm going to start out with the fact that week before I had the Raptor, I had a Ford Flex. And the Flex had the 3.5 liter EcoBoost, and I loved it. I love the Flex. Can, the Flex is an awesome crossover. Seven I rows. I have to interrupt you for a second. The Flex must go down as one of the most popular cars with auto journalists and no one else. Yeah, it's Everyone an, thinks this is a great car. It rides like a car. It's uh, it's extremely powerful when you get that 3.5 liter EcoBoost. Yeah, 300 so 365 horsepower. Yeah, it's so spacious, and it's got a lot of cool, cool tech. But nobody liked it. Nobody bought one. Nope. It's uh, I think they sell seven Explorers for every Flex, and they're on similar oh, platforms. No. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's okay, straight so up. Okay, tell me about this this V6 uh, EcoBoost experience yeah. you had in the Flex. So like you know, 300. I think it's 365 horsepower. It's all-wheel drive on the highway. It's a bullet. I mean, this thing's heavy, so like the yeah. fuel mileage is not great, but it is fast. It's comfortable. Um, I drove it down to New York City for the auto show. I had a blast. Uh, the car was perfect on the highway, et cetera, et cetera. I think I talked a little bit about it on our last show where we talked about New York. Anyway, flash forward to last week when I have the the uh, Raptor. The Raptor has the same engine under the hood. Well, it has, it's it's 3.5 liter EcoBoost V6. 
instead of the 6.2 liter V8 that used to be in the previous generation Raptor. Mm-hmm. I have never driven the previous generation Raptor, okay. but I have been around it enough to know how it sounds. Uh, the performance was good. Um, it, it was it was a badass truck. The new truck has what 450 horsepower and 500 pound feet of torque, something like that. I, really, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's really impressive numbers. I also think it's a little bit lighter than the old Raptor because okay. it's riding on the the newer platform from Ford. You step on the gas. And depending on whether the windows are open or not, you're either going to hear what sounded a lot like fake engine noise being pumped through the speakers to, to get you going, or a kind of unassuming exhaust note that doesn't really have any personality at all. And I was really disappointed by that. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I couldn't... There was just... I realize I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words here when I'm trying to describe how the Raptor made me feel. It's... Very quick in certain situations. It has a bunch of drive modes. Like in normal mode, you're kind of slogging around. and like, it, it doesn't, like you're in a truck. Yeah, like you're in a truck. It, the throttle response isn't really great. Um, you don't really feel like you're sitting on a ton of power, even though you are. And then if you go to sport mode, things are a lot better. And then it has this thing called Baja mode, uh, which is funny because it engages all four-wheel drive. But okay. in Baja, they don't use four-wheel drive. So, <laughs> I mean, some vehicles do, but not the trucks. Um but what it does do is it keeps the turbo spooled all the time. It, it, it holds gears super long, and it keeps the revs up so the turbo spools so you always have power. And once you're in Sport or Baja, you start to run into the what I call the real-world problem with the Raptor. And that's that you're driving a truck that I think is 86 inches wide. It's, like, huge. It's, it's much wider than a regular F-150. It's yeah. very tall. It's riding on suspension that's not designed for the pavement. Right. And it's rolling on tires that are not designed for asphalt. So as soon as you hammer the gas, you run out of room really quickly. And you realize you're driving this enormous, really quick, hard-to-stop pickup truck in an urban or highway situation... And it's like, what do I do now? Like, <laughs> it's it's not like a sports car where you can kind of you can find gaps in traffic and you can you can have fun in corners and stuff. With the Raptor, it's like, wow, we're going really fast in a straight line, and I hope nothing happens. Like that's <laughs> that's that's the feeling. And I I, I didn't the, I took the truck down to Maine, down to Portland, Maine, and uh, I mixed it up with highway. And there's some mountain roads that go through that. New Hampshire has beautiful parks um, where you're going driving through mountain ranges the whole time. And uh, I didn't really get to do a lot of off-road. And the off-roading I did do was on some trails that were narrow and uh, tree-lined. So I didn't have a lot of space if something went wrong. And, the, you know, the truck felt competent off-road, but I couldn't help but feel this is the kind of truck where you have to have a wide-open desert to really right. hammer it and kind of get what you what you need out of it. And no one has a wide-open desert, at least not in Canada. No, exactly. Um, I totally agree with you. This is I, – I don't understand why this truck is so popular uh, it sounds cool. It looks like a great idea. That's a lot of power, and um, and I hear that the sport mode and that Baja mode that you mentioned are quite um, exciting. Um, but I don't know how this is a car that people like buy and live with. Somebody in my condo has one, and I see it every day, and I'm always like, "How do you live with this thing in the city?" It's, um, it's tough. I mean, I like I like I was saying earlier, I grew up driving pickups. I don't have a problem parking. But I did have a problem trying to find spots where I could wedge in the Raptor. You're really you're eliminating a lot of spots, and it's not just length; it's the width of the vehicle. Like if there's a bike path or or if it's a narrow road, you can't park there. Uh, and it's the same in parking garages and parking spaces. I didn't even try a parking garage, but I was in a bunch of you know parking lots, and every single time, like it was a nightmare to just get the truck where I needed to put it. And and you know, 
it, as a sport truck, I'm sure it's great off-road doing the one thing that it was designed to do. But if you want to kind of access that power on the street, it's not fun. It's it's not fun at all um, because it doesn't want to turn and it's got, it feels squishy because of all the sacrifices that you made to get that suspension travel that you need off-road. So like you said, I mean, as a dual-purpose vehicle, you're not even getting that crazy grumbling uh, roar that you got from the 6.2 liter V8. And I, I found myself just just not being into the Raptor, and I thought I would be super into the Raptor. You want to talk more crazy things about this? You get Why do people get pickup trucks? They they can haul stuff. They're extremely versatile and practical. And this thing seems, first of all, the added uh, ride height makes it tough to throw things in the back unless you've got, I don't know, some kind of loader of some sort. Well, it's uh, tough. In, I mean, even in, almost any truck now, the, the bed height is, is tough. The bed walls are high, and it's difficult to, to reach in, and, and you almost always have to use a tailgate. Right. I mean, at least for someone like me, I'm like 5'8". I'm not very tall. Right, right. Uh, no, I meant that too, even with the tailgate. And yeah. uh, all the automakers are now putting these weird like steps in their in their tailgates or in their in their bumpers so that people can get up there. Um, Which I think is a good thing. It's a, it's a result of really big and high trucks and high tailgates. Um, it also doesn't tow as much as a, I think it's a regular F-150 or at least an F-150 with a full towing package. So that's another way it hinders um, that it's, you know, its whole role. It's a giant toy when other pickup trucks are used to haul your toys. So I wonder which one is which one is the more appropriate um, choice here. If, well, you've you got know, a, if, you've, if I've got a bunch of Sea-Doo's and Ski-Doo's and ATV's and motorcycles or something like that, uh, and I want to haul them around, I got to take them to the track or to the, the, the trails, that's one I would probably pick up a pickup truck because that a regular pickup truck, that would work wonderfully. I don't have to worry about lowering it or higher, uh, or raising it or anything like that. And um, and then on the other hand, if I don't have any of these toys, is the Raptor the tr- the car the truck for me because it can act like those things in a pinch. Um, we can, it, I mean, in some it, cases. It, it kind of reminds me of you know like there's always the argument where why would you buy a sports car because you're never going to be able to tap into its potential on the street. Like let's say you buy a Z06, right? Right. But I, I feel like when you when you expand that argument to include stuff like off-road trucks or this very specific off-road truck and I'll, I'll get to why I'm being specific in a minute it's not the same kind of thing because if you have a a purpose-built sports car like a Porsche 911 or a Corvette there are very few sacrifices being made on the street in order to get that performance you might have suspension that's a little stiffer than normal but on most modern sports cars you can adjust the, the stiffness of the suspension Um, so you're not going to feel like you're getting beat up in the kidneys every time you drive the car to work. Uh, sure. You don't have a back seat necessarily. And yeah, that's a practicality concern, but in terms of driving experience, there's not a huge negative on the street. I think for the Raptor, there are a lot of negatives. I think that uh, fuel mileage wasn't great either, which is fine. I mean, powerful vehicle, very heavy. I expect that, but just, you know, driving it, driving a full size pickup on the highway is generally pretty comfortable. Driving the Raptor on the highway with the way the suspension felt, I mean, the truck is very tall and and, and very flat on the sides, and I kept getting hit by the wind, and it will move the truck around. And I felt like I didn't have the the straightness in the, you know, holding the wheel straight at high speeds was more difficult in the Raptor than it is in the regular F-150. And I think a lot of that has to do with the tires, which aren't designed for for highway use, Mm -hmm. because they're so knobby and tall, and the suspension, which is squishy when you're not, you know, at full extension. So it, it's 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 kind of like a, a really weird situation. Uh, you you can't really it's a performance vehicle, but you can't compare it to the same metrics that are used by other performance vehicles. And 
to continue my rant, I'm going to talk about why I was specific because there's another off-road pickup truck that I drove earlier this year, the uh, Ram Power Wagon. Oh, well, that's a whole different thing. This is a, That's even bigger than this. It's a 250 right? or a 2500, right? It is. It's based on a bigger truck. But it is a much easier truck to live with in the real world. Now, why is that? Is that because it's a heavier, more buttoned-down truck than this Raptor, which is bouncing and, and, and lighter? I don't know. No, I think it's because... It's not ex- as extreme as the Raptor, um, and it's not as focused as the Raptor. The, the Raptor is for high-speed driving off-road. The Power Wagon is not for high-speed driving anywhere. It's it's got a it's got the 6.4 liter V8 from from Chrysler, which is a good engine, gives you good power, but it's not you know the the truck's not if you launched it off of a dune, you would probably break it. Like it's not meant to do that. Like you said, it's 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 a it's a heavy-duty truck. It's a yeah. big vehicle, yeah. and it loses none of what the heavy-duty truck brings to the table in terms of practicality, utility. It, it does have a little bit more ride height, so yeah, it's 14 inches off the ground, so it has that same problem as the Raptor if you're trying to load it. But when you're driving it around town, it drives exactly like any other HD pickup. It has all the same comfort options inside. It has the same engine and transmission that you can get in a regular heavy-duty pickup. You know, it comes with a different suspension and a different winch, but most of that stuff is for articulation and for uh, strength. It's not for it, you don't have really really crazy shocks that are that feel sketchy on the road. Right. And I I just feel like if you're someone who wants a dual purpose on an off-road toy and you need a full-size pickup, the Power Wagon is it, first of all it's way cheaper. I mean, in Canada the Raptor I drove was ninety thousand dollars. And in the state, yeah, in the states you can get to ninety thousand pretty quickly with dealer markup and options. Um, the 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 Power Wagon won't cost you anywhere near that, and you're not dealing with you know you you're not dealing with any exotic technologies to boot. Um, you know what? I uh, I had a similar experience to you uh, when I moved here. Um, when I moved recently, I took a a pickup truck. I brought a pickup truck, but uh, the only one I could find in short notice was a Nissan Titan. The Titan would not fit in my condo's parking lot, so every night I would park it in the local supermarket's parking lot. And so it was a great truck as long as you have a whole supermarket uh, worth of a parking lot nearby. Now, was that a Titan or a Titan XD? That was an XD. Um, and the other thing I was wondering is uh, why don't we make uh, smaller, smaller lowered trucks like for, for people like me who are afraid of heights and don't want to mm. be in really high uh, vehicles? Remember the, uh, the Chevy um, S10? Wasn't that sweet? Well, it was kind of a crappy truck. And the light, uh, what's the other one? The Lightning? The, well, you're thinking of the S10 Extreme, right? Am I thinking of the S10 Extreme? Yeah. And there was the Toyota X-Runner. Oh, yeah. X-Runner. And there was the Lightning, which was a really cool truck. And a truck that's held its value remarkably well on the aftermarket. Um, you can still pay between 15 and 20 grand for a really nice uh, a really nice Lightning from like 2003 or 2002. Can you describe uh, these, uh, these kinds of trucks to our... our listeners because the best way i would describe them is they're your favorite pickup trucks from the night from the late 90s early 2000s and they've been dropped significantly they are t- yeah. they are so low they are like they are at normal driving height uh, they're sport, of a car they're sport trucks right like yeah. that's that's what they were calling them and it, it, part of it was the tuner craze right around that era where you yeah. had you had people making little nissan hard body pickups 
uh, that were dropped, and the, the OEMs looked at that and they're like, "Hey, I want a piece of that," and it's super cheap for them to do that. They just put lowering springs in a body kit, and bam, you have a, you have a pickup. I mean, the Lightning was another story. The Lightning was an SVT project, and it was really fast uh, for a pickup. It was a supercharged V8. I think it was the 5.8 liter, not not 5.8, um, 5.4. I'm not sure. Okay. In any case. It was quick, and uh, you changed the pulleys on the supercharger, and it was even more quick. I didn't realize and, it had a tr- it, it had a blower. That's so cool. Oh yeah, they were very fast, and uh, they evolved throughout their lifespan. They got to more power, I think, two years in or one year in to the production, and it was so popular the truck that uh, Dodge <laughs> made that Viper truck oh, to yes. compete against it. I forgot about that. The SRT10. Yes, uh, which had a ten? No, SRT ten because you yeah. had the you had the uh, V ten from the Viper with a six speed manual in the single cab, and then if you yeah. wanted the automatic transmission, you had to buy the uh, extended cab version, the four door version. Those things, those things are steals on the used car market. Um, yeah, Viper trucks are super cheap. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> but at the other end of the spectrum, I've also I've also been seeing a lot uh, a lot more of these. Are much more of these lowered cars, sports cars, and maybe not even sports cars, sporty cars, um, things like Civics and Civic SIs um, that are not only lowered, but their wheels have been, um, they look fucked, man. They're like pointed inwards. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're stanced, I believe is the, is the word that the bros are using these days. The, the doctor told me it was normal for it to point inward. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know what the what do, what the mechanic told them about these uh, particular vehicles, but it doesn't look like an in- incredibly practical um, way to get around town. And the way I see these guys making turns is is very curious. Ben, have you well, had have you had any experience in some of these stance cars? Have you driven anything like that? I haven't. It's like the VIP trend from Japan too. Remember that? Where um, you had people, you had people essentially stancing like uh, full size Lexus and Acura, uh, all the stands. way to the ground, right? Like their yeah. like the bumpers were like on the ground. Yeah. Well, it's, here's my take on that. I think that people should modify their cars however they want to, and I think that they should use them as a canvas for expressing their personalities. And if that means stretched out tires and like ridiculous camber and not being able to go over speed bumps, then I fully support that. All right, I agree with you for the most part, but I think we should maybe discuss some of the uh, disadvantages to doing such extreme modifications to your car. Um, for example, pulling into parking spots might be much more difficult, especially ones with uh, those little stone curbs at the end of them. You might not, your bumper might not survive that kind of shit. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, sure, every, so everything's more difficult, but think of the style points. Oh, yeah, plenty of style points, uh, just not when you're scraping that. You're scraping the underbody of your bumper on a on a curb. Um, what else? Uh, additionally, I mean, it or, it's already difficult to get up and down um, parking ramps. We mentioned parking. We mentioned parking lots in the in the lifted pickup trucks uh, segment earlier. But what about with lowered stanced vehicles? If now we're worrying for the other part of the of the parking garage, the ground. So my my <laughs> Datsun's pretty low, and um, I've raised it like an inch and a half in the last year to try and get over the speed bumps in my alley and I still scrape the frame rails and the exhaust system every single time I pull oh, into my man. driveway. And my stock ride height Cadillac cannot exit my alley from one of the entrances because the the triangular angle of where the sidewalk meets the alley is so great and the wheelbase of my Cadillac is long that it scrapes every oh single goodness, time man. so you don't even have to have a lower car it all depends on how crappy the infrastructure <laughs> in your area is 
There you go. And in Montreal, it's a bad scene. We should write a whole story about, or we should have a whole story about uh, areas best suited for your your lowered car, modified car. Yeah, go to Florida where there's no hills and like it's just flat pavement everywhere, and you're totally fine. Yeah, or the prairies that'll work well there too. Vanilla Ice knew that. That's why that's where he rolled in his 5.0 on A1A. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, I think we're running um, into the end of our podcast. Uh, anything else you want to tell me? Any other cars you've been testing this week? Well, the end is the end is nigh already. That feels yeah. that felt like it went by so quickly. Well, let's talk. What other cars did you did you have? I mean, I'll tell you, I had a really great car this week. It was the Mazda CX-5, uh, a fully fully loaded model. And um, you know what? They didn't do a lot to change the interior of the car, but the exterior has changed very dramatically. And it was already one of my favorite cars on the market in terms of design. And now it's uh, it's really just picked that game up even further. And it feels like it's no longer just competing with. Um, Honda and Toyota, but maybe gunning for the likes of Acura and Lexus. And uh, I think that's a pretty bold step for Mazda. I'd like to talk about a vehicle I didn't drive, but which is uh, could be considered very important in the world of part-time scientists. And that's the, the Audi Lunar Quattro. Oh, of course. The Lunar Quattro, which is part of Audi's mission to the moon, um, ongoing ongoing mission to the moon and not a part of their smart hobos project no it's separate from smart hobos it is very separate the, the smart hobos had no part in the mission to the moon um tell me about this what's going on what's with the what's with the new lunar quattro <laughs> so they built a moon rover or at least there's something that looks like a moon rover that they built and it's in this new movie called alien covenant which i don't think anyone should see because uh prometheus was terrible but um <laughs> It was it was garbage. Anyway, so they developed this this this. It's like a moon rover that's been developed in co- cooperation with a a startup in Germany that's called Part Time Scientists, which which I think is awesome. And I think in, on a past podcast we talked about um, whether you'd trust a part time scientist to get you to the moon or not, yes. <laughs> or whether you'd you'd want a full time scientist with full time science behind their actions <laughs> making that happen. But in any case. Um, the uh the, the Audi said quote the Alien franchise is the best way for us to garner suitable attention for the Moon Rover developed by Audi and to showcase Audi's intelligent technologies in a visionary environment suitable um, attention uh Ben I've seen many Alien movies uh, specifically from this franchise and while I agree with you Prometheus Prometheus was a mess um I am not a film I am not a certified film critic I haven't paid for my film reviews yet and uh, I can't tell people what to watch and what not to watch. I will admit, though, that several things go wrong in every single Alien movie. And I'm not sure that witnessing a lunar rover in any of the scenes would make it, would change any of the scenes or make me feel any better about uh, Audi and their, their moon-like progress. I agree. And, you know, the thing is, <laughs> if you're Audi, I'm sure they negotiated so that nothing bad happens to the moon rover, like, at all. Like, if you're watching – this is essentially a horror movie, right? Yeah. Put your money, put your money on the moon rover making it to the end, making it to the final <laughs> reel. Like, it's the thing that saves them, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the moon rover has, like, a knife taped to it and, like, stabs the alien by remote control, like, over and over. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, here we go. Um, as part of the collaboration, a short film created by – uh, 20th Century Fox, 3 a.m., whatever that is, and Audi was captured on one of the movie's biggest sets. It shows the Lunar Quattro patrolling the terraforming bay when it detects an unidentified life form and goes to investigate what lurks in the dark. That sounds ominous. <laughs> really I don't does. think that ends well for the Quattro. <laughs> Actually, I want to bring up a similar subject. Um, I recently watched the Fast and the Furious um, 8, Fate of the Furious, 
and in it terrible we, movie we once again i haven't been paid for my movie reviews before so i'm not quite a professional movie reviewer so i can't say anything about these movies. i will paypal you ten dollars to give your negative review of this movie <laughs> um anyways the, the the movie has a very strong tie with um, FCA products, which is namely Dodge, Jeep, um, Ram, and Chrysler. Uh, did you notice that? I did notice that. And in fact, I saw that movie at a private screening that was hosted by FCA. And at the beginning of the film, a universal representative stood at the front of the room and said, I don't really don't think we could keep making these movies without Chrysler's involvement. <laughs> well, after after the movie, first of all, some things happen in the movie. I'm going to go full spoiler alert, alert here. But in the movie, a number of vehicles are hacked remotely, and the majority of these vehicles are FCA products. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the story or the subject of car hacking, but an actual Jeep was confirmed to be uh, vulnerable to a remote hacking uh, issue, making either this movie really, really realistic or um, something that the FCA empire should have probably paid attention to when they watched the first edits of it. Now, I want to know how this relates to the moon. Oh, it doesn't. Absolutely not. Uh, I'm sorry. Because that that Quattro thing is going to the moon. Audi is sending it to the moon. That is happening, not just on the silver screen. Well, but then, the actual moon that is above us right now controlling our thoughts. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's the other way around. This car hacking thing happened with Jeeps. They had a lot of hot. They they got into a lot of hot water. They apparently fixed it with an over the air update or a or a dealer fix. And now it's back in the movie scaring people about remote, um, remotely hacking your vehicle. So it's one thing or the other. It's just not happening on the moon. It's happening right here on planet Earth, which is why we need the Audi Quattro to be up there in space. Making sure that nothing bad's happening up there. So you know, we can and go. I agree. I agree. Planet Earth is so yesterday. It's all about the moon now. And I think that I'm hopeful for a lunar rover shootout between Mercedes-Benz, Audi, BMW, and Dark Horse Jaguar as they all come together to compete to build the best lunar rover and then fight it out on, in the Sea of Tranquility. You know what? I also thought Saab would have a really strong play in that because you know Saab had that uh, had that connection with fighter jets and you know jet engines are needed to get well jets in general are needed to rockets and jets are needed to get Ro to the moon. Rockets, yes. <laughs> jets, no, because you know jets need oxygen and there's not a lot of that. Well, rockets in, in, a, it's, it's in a hard close. vacuum. It's <laughs> and uh, and I thought Saab will be a, a great player, but they didn't work out so well. Uh, Chrysler also had a. Chrysler had a turbine car. I never forget that. Yeah, see, there's so many. There's a lot of potential for moon rovers, um, and and you're right. I think, see, Audi makes sense because they apparently use um, several wheels. They power several wheels with their Quattro system. Um, something that almost, several wheels. It's, it's, almost, it's, it's, it's Quattro. Four the wheels. word means four. Right. <laughs> it's it's a system that almost An every undis other... undisclosed number of wheels. <laughs> uh, it's a Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie here. Almost every automaker has a four-wheel drive system. It's no longer a defining point of, of um, Audi. Everyone's ripped them off or bitten them or or is doing something just as well as they are. So it's true, but to, what to Audi's makes credit, their technology better on the moon than anyone. Why can't Toyota go up there? That's the one I want. They're uh, they're super reliable, aren't they? Well, you know, for two things, I think Audi's done a really good job of not just relying on Quattro, but using also the interior design as a big part of their image. And other forms of technology like the laser headlights and crazy stuff like that. Oh, right. I forgot Second, the So that the lasers will be able to reach Earth when the communication invariably gets uh, ruined by the, by the alien. Sure. 
uh, also, <laughs> do you really want a super reliable lunar rover if that lunar rover turns evil and attacks the crew? I'm not saying that's what happens, but I'm well, saying if it did it. happen, if it did happen, wouldn't you want it to have some kind of weakness? That's true. Ultra-reliable cars have also been um, accused of unintended acceleration, and that's a worry that we all have up on the moon. There you go. There you go. Already the cracks in the in your Toyota desires are starting to manifest. I was hoping that the car, the the all these rovers should be super heavy because um the 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 atmosphere and the gra there's no atmosphere on the on the moon, right? The, and the gravitational there's, there's not enough atmosphere to to breathe, no. And the gravity is really low, so you're always floating around everywhere. Um so if you have a very heavy car, so who makes the heaviest vehicles on the on the planet? No, but it's not some, some some rovers up there. You you can't just send some '70s Malaysia era metal up to the moon. I mean, the the big <laughs> the big it'll bounce around. The, the big problem is uh, every pound is extremely expensive to get into orbit, just in terms of how much thrust you need um, to move right. a certain amount of mass. So everything that goes into space is super light. It's not, you know, this this Audi moon rover is actually 85% aluminum. And it's made by a 3D metal printer in Ingolstadt. So it's it's not you you, you can't just put mass <laughs> into space. This is not how it works. Um, all right. Well, why don't you know about space? Are you not paid to know about space? I'm not, Are you not a certified not, space not, critic? I am definitely not a full-time nor part-time scientist, and uh, I can't comment at all on on. I would say I'm probably the least percentage of of. The least time scientist I could possibly be. Least time scientist? Yes. All right. Yeah. What are you? What how, What kind of science? What, what's your time to science ratio? I'm 24% scientist. There you go. I'm, I'm less than that. That's for sure. I'm maybe 3%. Four. Mm, it's going up by the second. All right. Um, that's it. Um, I had that, uh, that neato car. Are you up to anything next week, Ben? No, next week I'm doing absolutely nothing, which is beautiful. Fantastic. We will have another call next week, listeners. Are you ready for that? And we can hear Ben's uh, further research in the field of uh, quattering on the lunar uh, landscape. And By call, he means podcast. Of course. And uh, I mean, I assume. I don't know. <laughs> why not? We might be changing formats next week. Get ready to receive a personal call from Sammy, everyone who's listening right now. And he's just going to do a monologue, and you can't interrupt him or he cries. It's, it's true. I am very sensitive. It's a very personal monologue. Um, all right, Ben. Why don't we tell all of our listeners um, exactly where they can find us on the internet? Sure. Um, well, if you want to hit up the podcast directly, you can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and that will take you to our SoundCloud page where all the hosting happens. But you can also go to iTunes or Google Play Music and find Unnamed Automotive Podcast there, which is a very popular thing to do if you're into the iTunes. Uh, additionally, you can find us on Facebook. If you search for Unnamed Automotive Podcast, you'll see our Facebook page. You can like us there, and you can be notified of every single new um podcasts that we release, and any other news that we may have for you guys, including what cool cars we're driving or any funny stories that we find um, throughout the week. And you can send us messages through the Facebook page as well, or if you want to do it in a different way that might get a, might get quicker response uh, from Sammy anyway, he's on the Twitter at, at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing, and I'm on the Twitter at, at Hunting Benjamin. Um, you can also email me. It's uh, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. 
We appreciate all of your comments and we love uh, hearing from our listeners. So feel free to send anything that's on your mind uh, relating to the podcast. And in, if you just want to, uh, you know, talk, we're, we're there for you too. If you want to send, you know, your own personal plans for a lunar rover that you think could take out Audi's rover in a one-on-one battle to the death under the stars, that would be cool, too. I can also suggest what movies uh, you should or shouldn't watch in a related way to how Ben would say it, which is, yes, (laughs) watch this or no, don't. Um, But that's it for this week's podcast, Ben. So let's let's bid adieu to the um, adieu. Let's just say goodbye. Thank you for listening, everybody. (laughs) Bye, everyone.